0: On today's episode, I talk with Jenny Rose, one of my dearest friends, about how to sustain a faith-driven marriage by implementing grace-filled love. This is a raw, off-the-cuff conversation that will surely motivate you and
1: inspire you, especially if you are currently struggling with your spouse. We've explained to our kids, our marriage is important. We want to be together by the time you guys leave and go to college. We want to be the example to you guys of what a godly marriage looks like, we want you to go up and think, wow, I want to have a marriage like my mom and dad, right? Because how many times are we, we say, I do not want the marriage my parents had. <laughs> uh huh. So if you don't, then you have to make the time to have the marriage that you want for your children. Exactly. We do so much, but the best gift that we can give our children is a healthy, God-centered marriage.
0: Hi, and welcome to The Parentologist Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Kim. The Parentologist Podcast is a show about everything parenting with a therapeutic twist. Each episode focuses on a variety of relatable topics, including parenting, family, children, relationships, mental health, and pop culture. Hear from a variety of medical professionals, psychological experts, authors, celebrities, and other parents with inspiring stories. You'll feel like you're in the same room with your friends getting all of your questions answered. You'll laugh, you'll cry, you'll learn, and you'll have fun. Jenny, I am so glad that we are doing this today. How are you doing, my friend?
1: I'm doing so good. I'm so excited to be on your podcast for the first time. (laughs)
0: Finally, I feel like we've been trying to go back and forth with dates and times and topics. And for anyone who doesn't know who's listening, Jenny and I go way back. (laughs) She is my blogger bestie. We. Um, do lots of things together. If you follow either of us on social media, you will see that it's pretty obvious. Um, And she is uh, very close to me as a personal friend. And we've had lots of conversations over the years, just about relationships and our marriages. And I have to say, I have, you know, gone to marriage counseling in the past, I have given marriage counseling in the past. And I feel like even recently, Jenny has given me advice that I've never heard from myself or another professional about relationships and couples and marriage and things that have helped my own marriage. And I just wanted her to come on here and share some of her wisdom and some some of her experience because, you know, honestly, she should be a therapist because she knows a lot more than even people who do this for a living. So um, Jenny, I'm just excited today to, you know, have you here to share some of that with everyone because I feel like that's something that a lot of people
1: struggle with. Yeah. Well, thank you. I, it is not because I sit on this holier than thou chair. It's because we've gone through a lot of life. We've been married for 15 years, but together for 18 years and we have struggled. I'm going to be really honest, uh, more than more times than I'd like to count. And I think a lot of people might see the beautiful photos on social media and think that we are this like perfect couple, you know, I I used to be a princess, he used to be a prince. It's like this fairy tale story. And it is, it's, it is a beautiful story, but it's not because of anything we have done. It's only by the grace of God that we have made it through our trials. And so I do have a passion now. And I always have, but even more so now than ever, to um, really encourage people in their marriages to not do what everyone else is doing as far as being very counterculture in your thinking when it comes to your marriage. So I'm excited to share some of the things that I've learned even just in this past year. We've really been diving into You know, we took a marriage course last December that really changed both of us. It was like an intensive weekend, um, couples retreat. And ever since then, we have just really made some big changes in our lives. So I have this passion to want to share some of the things that we've learned along the way.
0: I love that. And I think one thing I want to share, too, is one thing I've loved about your advice from one friend to another who, you know, have both been through struggling marriages, which, like I said, is very, very common. It's probably more normal to struggle than it is to have this picture perfect marriage. Um, But I know when I was sharing some of the things that were happening in my relationship. And I kind of expected you, like most friends might do, uh, of just kind of taking my side and saying, oh, yeah, like he really messed up there. And, you know, you go, girl, and you, you you know, you, you get your own, you know. And what I loved about your advice is that you didn't just take my side and you didn't actually defend him either. And you were very gracious in your responses. And I just cherish that, cherish that because I think a lot of times we go to our friends to kind of get that validation from them uh, and whatever that means. And um, you kind of looked at it very like both sides, but you did it very compassionately. And so I know I want to ask you later about, you know, what advice would you give a friend who comes to you with some marriage struggles? Um, And I was going to save it for later on, but since we're on the topic, you know, with what you've done in your own friendships, like myself, You know, what advice do you have for a friend who might be struggling in their marriage? How can we help support each
1: other? Yeah. So it's like I said, it's going to be very counterculture to what you hear because most of the time you hear, do whatever makes you happy. You need to get out of these unhealthy relationships if he's not treating you right. Or, you know, so I wrote down a few notes on this just because I was like, this is so important. And I really hope people, listen up. Um, number one, you need to stop your friends when all they want to do is just bash their spouse. Stop. You need to not listen. (laughs) You need to tell them if this is just a bashing session, you need to save this for your counselor. But as your friend, I'm not here to help you bash your spouse because how would you feel? If your spouse was out bashing you to their friends, right? You would you would be appalled. You would be embarrassed that they were sharing such personal details about your lowest moments, right? We are all human. We all make mistakes. We don't need to go and be telling our friends all the little details. Well, And then he did this and then he did that. And can you believe that? And and they're just, like you said, they're looking for validation. And we need to stop giving it to them when they're doing that because that's not right. You should not be doing that. And I'm not saying you can't share your struggles. But I have now found that if I have a very specific problem I am going to keep the specifics to myself, and I might just say, could you please pray for us? We are struggling with something today, and I would really appreciate your prayers over our marriage, whether it has to do with, we need wisdom on making this big decision, Um, we need clarity with parenting our child who's really struggling. We're not, you know, you can give kind of an area of where you might be struggling but you don't need to go on a bashing session. It's just, you wouldn't do it regarding your kids to other parents, probably not. You know, you don't want to bash your kids either and you shouldn't be doing that for your spouse. So that's a huge one. Um, The second one is don't take sides. Even though, you know, you are my friend, I am not going to always take your side and I'm not going to take his side. I'm going to try to give you the best wisdom, but I, I don't want to say, oh yeah, you're totally right. Oh yes. Or he's, you know, he's totally right or whatever the case may be. Don't take sides. You can listen, but know that you're only getting half the story, right? And perspective is everything. So just when your kids come home and they tell you a story about something that happened at school, you're only getting half the story. So you really, I mean, as a mom, I then might email the teacher and say, hey, they shared this story. Could you kind of share some insights about your perspective? Because you're only getting half of it. So just remember, even as your friend... They don't want to tell you the thing that they said first that provoked their husband because they don't want to look bad, right? They're just right. going to tell you the things that make him look bad. So take that into consideration and encourage them to pray about it, to, to pray about it with their spouse, whatever they're dealing with. Um, don't say things like, you just deserve to be happy. God actually did not promise Us that we would always be happy all of the time. Marriage is hard. Our joy needs to come from the Lord and not from our spouse. It should not be dependent upon how our our spouse is treating us that day. So that was huge for me. Like my day was dependent upon like, did he call me back? Did he text me back when I sent him a sweet message? My joy should not be should not be coming from my spouse. Yes, it would be great if things were going well, but if they're not, you can still find joy in the Lord because that is like the ultimate joy, right? So um, and then also just to round it out, I, I, I say never encourage divorce or separation. That's not the advice for you to give. That's um, something that they need to decide on their own with hopefully a counselor or a therapist of some kind. Um, and remember to take one day at a time. This is so big. Don't think about next week or next year. The verse says, give us this day our daily bread. God wants us depending on him daily. Not He didn't say, give us this day our weekly bread, our He's monthly bread. bread. We're not storing up. We have to take one day at a time. So if your marriage is struggling, just start with right now, today. Don't worry about tomorrow. Just focus on what you can do today for your marriage.
0: Yes. And there's actually that chapter um, or that verse in Matthew that talks about that, about, you know, only taking on what you can today and not worrying about tomorrow, which is actually one of my favorite verses in the Bible. Um, and I try to stay true to that and remind myself of that of all the time, because there is a lot of things in our lives, whether it's our marriage, our finances, parenting, I mean, you name it, we can get overloaded pretty quickly. Um, But on that note, and speaking of that, um, from your perspective, what does a God-driven marriage look like? What would that mean? Obviously, you just spoke a little bit about that, but if you could dive in
1: a little more, that would be great. Sure. So for us, a God-driven marriage looks like God is the priority. Uh, It's knowing that the one is not your spouse. And it's actually God. We grow up with this mentality of, I can't wait until I find the one. I can't wait until I can marry the one. But little do we realize all the time, the one was God, and He's been with us since before we were born. And so this was a, a big mentality shift for me as well. I was like, oh my goodness, how much pressure was I putting on my spouse? because I had said, oh, he's the one, the one that I put all the pressure on to make me happy, to fulfill all my dreams. And as much as I love my husband, I now, I think it's a relief for him that I'm like, I love you, but you're not the one. (laughs) God is the one. God is the only one that will be able to fulfill me completely, make me whole. And and then our marriage is our next priority. And I think that's huge because a lot of times when you have young kids, it's easy to, to flip this. Even if you might have God first, sometimes it's kids second and, and spouse third. But for us, If we're keeping God first, then our spouse needs to be second and then our kids, which means sometimes, you know, making sure that if you need 30 minutes to talk without interruptions, it's telling your kids, you need to go read in your room and have quiet time. And we need 30 minutes for our marriage. We've explained to our kids, our marriage is important. We want to be together by the time you guys leave and go to college, we want to be the example to you guys of what a godly marriage looks like. We want you to grow up and think, wow, I want to have a marriage like my mom and dad, right? Because how many times are we, we say, I do not want the marriage my parents had. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. So if you don't, then you have to make the time to have the marriage that you want For your children. Exactly. We do so much, but the best gift that we can give our children is a healthy God centered marriage. Um, and I I also wrote down that it's it's also committing a God-centered marriage is committing to forgiveness because they will disappoint you and you will disappoint them because we are human and make mistakes. It's also setting boundaries and sticking to them to protect the sanctity of the marriage. So, you know, just realizing those things and keeping your focus. A uh, counselor had once taught us that a God-centered marriage is like a triangle and God is at the top of the triangle and you and your spouse are at the bottom of the triangle. And the closer you get to God, the closer that the triangle comes and the closer you and your spouse get together. And I just think that is such a simple, but yet kind of profound visual from all those visual learners out there, you know, the closer you draw to God, the closer you're going to become with your spouse, which is beautiful.
0: I love that. And that's a great visual and it's, and it's true, you know, you can actually see it and, you know, see God moving in your marriage, which I know we both have. Um, but it's, it's sometimes hard to, you know, see that, um, and conceptualize that when you're in the midst of complete chaos, when your marriage, you know, is hitting rock, rock bottom, and you feel like, is my marriage over? Um, so, you know, when that point happens, you know, and, and we'll talk about lifting it up, you know, as we move on. But, you know, when you think your marriage is over, where do you suggest a couple even starts to repair their relationship?
1: First of all, I am a huge believer of miracles for marriages. Sometimes when we are completely broken into ashes, which I have been there, so I understand, that's when God can take your ashes and turn them into art. And I truly believe this. So if there's someone out there right now that just feels like they're just so broken, there's no way that their marriage could ever survive. I believe. I believe God can turn your ashes into art. Um there's a saying that your lowest point can be your turning point. And it's it's so true. So depending on what has happened in your marriage, obviously, I always suggest professional help. We have done it on multiple occasions. Um, and you sometimes you have to, sh- I hate the term shop around, but sometimes you do have to shop around a little bit to find the right fit for you and your spouse. Um, we had gone to one counselor and it just ended up not being a great fit. So we had gone to the marriage retreat over a weekend and it was intense. I mean, we were there from, you know, nine o'clock in the morning till five o'clock at night. We found a life coach through that retreat that I have seen since then. And she's fantastic and I love her. And so we've gone back to her and seen her. So I always suggest some sort of outside help because sometimes it takes another person from the outside to give you both perspective of things that you need to be working on and then I also say to start with the small stuff don't don't try to tackle the the big problem most of the time it's all the little things that have added up that have gotten you to that point anyways so just like I had said earlier with taking one day at a time try to start with something small that you can make a change today that's that's simple and easy to do. Um, I said, if something is also small and insignificant and bothering you, you also need to ask yourself and do some self-reflection, why is this small thing bothering me so much? Like, if you are letting the the roll, the empty roll of toilet paper that he never changes get to you every day, maybe it's time to look at why that's bothering you so much. Cause that is such a little thing, but people, you know, they take all those little things and they start building resentment towards their spouse and their spouse may not even have any idea that that even bothers them. And then it's like this, like very catty. Oh, you know, well, I guess I'll be the one that always changes the toilet paper roll, you know? So, so, start small but you also need to start start small with you first and find out why those small things are bothering you and it's it's very important to do a lot of these self-reflection questions because at the end of the day if you if they died tomorrow would that toilet paper roll be important to you anymore i highly doubt it you would probably Miss the empty toilet paper roll. So put yourself in that position. If they died tomorrow and you had gotten angry about that, you'd be pretty sad, right? I know it's a little bit morbid, but some of the exercises that we did in that retreat, it it really put things in perspective as far as, wow. I don't know when my last day is going to be. I don't know when his last day is going to be. So I need to stop taking those little fights or I need to stop harboring that resentment over the toilet lid being left open. You know, just those things. If you start releasing those things and stop letting them bother you so much, you'd probably be on your way to some healing already.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, too, on that note, is something that we've talked about is kind of taking ownership over your own actions and your own effort in the marriage. Because I think a lot of us, you know, when we get to that point, we do build resentment and then we start blaming our spouse or we wait for them to change or wait for them to, you know, do something different. And sometimes if we change, then that changes the whole dynamic of the marriage. And I know something that you taught me or suggested for me, which is something everyone, I think, can try. Um, It's something very small and very simple, but um, writing a little note to your spouse every day, you know, and just writing something nice. And I know um, we talked about love languages in our conversation together. And um, I know one for my husband specifically is positive affirmations. That's really big for him. And, you know, you suggested, well, how about you write a little note to him every day and just give him something positive about something about how he parents or about how good he is at his job or whatever it is. And just that little note, I only, I think I did three, three, three days in a row. And all of a sudden his, his whole demeanor started changing and how he was treating me. And all I did was write this little note to him because I knew that was, you know, speaking his love language. So, you know, yeah. on that note, why is it important to know our partner's love language and how can we find out what they are?
1: So, I think love languages are so important. And I wrote this. I think people will get a laugh out of this. If you don't know your spouse's love language or your own love, lang- love language, uh, if you're not speaking to their top two, maybe three love languages, it's like picking up poop for the sake of your dog. You're not picking up the poop because your dog cares that you're taking <laughs> You're picking up the poop for the neighbors so they don't step in it, right? But speaking to your spouse's wrong love language is literally just picking up poop for your dog's sake. Like it is absolutely pointless. If my love language is words of affirmation and touch, but he's buying me gifts, which is my very last one I could care less. He's constantly coming home with flowers and and just just gifts. I would be like why are you wasting money? This is ridiculous. Like, I would actually probably get a little bit upset. I'd be like, you know, we have a budget. Like, why are you spending money on this? You know, I'm very practical. <laughs> that is not one of our issues. Um, but that's but that's what it is. So if in his love language, say, is time spent, and you're on your phone when you're together, guess what? You are, you're stepping in poop. <laughs> like, that's is- you could be that making is. it worse unintentionally, right? I mean, yes. it was a yes. time. exactly. So there, you can go on to love language. I think it's fi- the five love languages, um, and you can take the quiz and you can find out. And you can they rank them for you. It's really simple, and there's books on it as well that you can read. Um, but it just makes it so much easier, even when their birthday comes along or Christmas comes along. If again, if they're not a person that loves actual gifts, then you know, okay, if they love time spent, then I'm going to plan a date night for us and I'm going to hire a sitter. I'm going to put it on the calendar and it's going to be this great date night where we're just spending a lot of one-on-one time together. If it's touch, you know, maybe you give them a coupon book where it's like a foot massage, a back massage, a head massage, like all the things, right? A a 20-minute cuddle session, like just lots of gifts with touch. You know, you just have to think about what they would enjoy the most and speak to those things. And I guarantee you, you'll see a shift in their behavior because they feel like, wow, they feel so loved in all the right ways. Yes.
0: <laughs> and that benefits you at the end of the day too. So why wouldn't you want to speak their love language? Because then they're receptive to it and then they'll start doing things for you in return. Right? I mean, it's a win-win for everybody.
1: Yes, totally.
0: Um, so I have so many questions I want to ask you, but you mentioned (laughs) dates and date nights. And I know for me, and I know if I can say this, I know you've struggled this in the past too. It's hard when you have kids and you don't have a lot of family nearby, and it's hard to find that childcare that you trust, you know, to take care of your kids while you're gone. And it's quite expensive when you do. And I know for us, we don't get a lot of date nights. We don't get an intent. We've been married for over 10 years now, and we've never had a night away or a weekend away or a vacation away. We've never done that. So we've, we've t- recently, we've tried to implement day dates, you know, when the kids are at school, when we have some time and flexibility in our schedules and every once in a while we'll go, we'll, we'll, splurge for the babysitter and we'll get like a date night, if you will. Um, but it's few and far between. So what do you suggest? Why is dating your spouse important? And maybe in, incorporated in that we can talk about, you know, is sex important in a marriage and why would sex be important in a marriage to have that connection physically? Um, and any suggestions or advice you might have for someone who struggles like we do and that they don't maybe have a lot of money to do that or have a lot of, um, you know, people nearby that can help them with that childcare. What would you suggest to them?
1: Sure. So I think it goes without saying that when you're dating, you spend all this great quality time together and you come up with creative things to do and then you get married and have kids and everything seems to change, right? But even in the midst of the chaos of raising children, even if you're setting aside one hour a week, which in the whole scheme of a week doesn't really seem like a lot, but but for a lot of couples that aren't doing that, it, it sounds like an hour. Wow. A whole hour. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> maybe, maybe an hour Because this will lead us into the sex talk too. If you're not connecting and talking about things other than the kids and their schedules, you're less likely to want to jump into bed with each other. And it goes both ways. It's not just women that feel that way. It's men too, to be honest with you. I've talked to some some guys and <laughs> have the same feeling, you know, it's like you're exhausted, you haven't connected, and then all of a sudden you're you lay down and like you're, I guess we should, I guess uh, it's time, it's been a while,
0: awkward, and it yeah, it's, yes. just, it's not
1: comfortable, it's yeah, exactly. So that's why dating is so important. So you need to put it on the calendar, even if you're not going out. Even if it's like I said, you're telling the kids, we're having an hour of quiet time. You can read for 30 minutes and you can watch a show for 30 minutes. Mom and dad are going to have, we're going to go outside with some lemonade and a devotional or whatever, whatever it is you and your husband like to do. We have devotional, we have Bible time, we like to pray together, which I could not recommend more. Um, It's really hard. I always tell people it's really hard to be a jerk when you're praying together. So, you know, if you're in the middle of an argument, it will, Totally help with that, Um, hundred percent. But you need to have uninterrupted time together. So even if you can't afford the sitter or have no, you don't have the family to come over, which we don't. We actually now have do exchanges with other families that we trust, and so we'll take their kids for a night, you know, for a couple hours, so they can go on a date, and then they'll take our kids for a couple hours, and that's one way to save money on. On hiring a babysitter, or now our kids have gotten to the age where we can say, You know, you have an hour, we have an hour, you need to go find something to do. And I'll I'll like give them different activities if I don't want them to have just screen time. Um, But it is so important to your marriage to to put down the distractions, put down your phones, put them on silent, leave them in another room completely. You know, you want to remember that zing you had when you were first dating, right? Because that will help your sex life so first we gotta connect right and then yep. we can address and then we can address the, the sex topic which let's it it is important you know God created a man and a woman and he said it was good you know and he created us for pleasure and there is no shame in talking about that I think it's a beautiful thing and it, it's a gift. To marriage. Like that was God's gift to marriage was sex. And so if, if you're struggling with that, you need to look at the reasons why you need to be able to talk with your spouse, which I know it can be so embarrassing almost, which is odd because they're your spouse. But if things aren't working, maybe you've been baking it for a while. You need to come clean. <laughs> you need yeah. to say, you know what, it's not working, but you know what could be exciting is this. Could we slow down here? Could you kiss me there? I want to try this. Hey, you know what? That might get him excited. Even though you you had to be honest and say, you know, this actually this position and whatever we were doing this foreplay this this isn't right. You know, it's just really not yeah, doing it in
0: the moment because
1: that might <laughs> hurt <their laughs> no, <laughs> you need to do this during your hour of quiet time. And, and you need to to say like, I know this is kind of awkward to talk about, but I really need to like, I, I really want us to have a great sex life. I really do. And in order for me to do that, I number one need to tell you like, what we've been doing is just not working for me. And I'd like to try some other things. There's lots of podcasts out there that I listen to, and I love, and they share nothing but tips on, on marital sex, like how to improve, how to get better at foreplay, how to flirt with your spouse again, you know, because we forget that that's what we loved in the beginning, right? How to send the flirty text message or a sexy photo and, and all of those things. And I heard a friend actually told me this: Satan tries everything he can to get couples to have sex before marriage and then tries even harder to get couples to stop having sex after marriage. And it's so, so true. So don't let Satan win over this. Sex is a beautiful thing. So if it's not fun and exciting for you right now, it doesn't mean that, that it, it's just a season. And you need to be able to talk with your spouse and share your feelings. I just want to encourage, encourage you to, to take that step to chat about it because it's so important. Do you know what I mean? Anyone who's
0: listening right now, do you see why I love her so much and why she has such great advice? Like, <laughs> I just want to soak it all in. Um, you know, and it's true. And I, I feel like, you know, one thing that you had said for me to do or, um, uh, uh, oh, sorry. It says, sorry, we can stop. It says Jenny ran out of storage. Recording has stopped. Ugh. Oh, but it's still going. Let's just roll with it. We're almost at the end anyway. I think it's going to be fine because it's still continuing to go. So I think we're fine for some reason. Anyway, I'm not sure what happened, but if not, I'll wrap it up as like the last thing, you know. Anyway, but um, lost my train of thought. Okay, take two. Oh, one thing that you taught me was to schedule it. So whether you're scheduling, you know, alone time together, a date night, or even sex, you know, put it on a Google Calendar and send your husband an invite and say hey, we're going to have, you know, funky time, you know, at 6pm tonight, or we're going to go on a date this weekend, or whatever the case is. So, um, you know, just, and I also want to encourage you, I just think that there's so many ways you can connect with your spouse, prioritize your marriage, um, you know, learn their love language, you know, start small, do little things each day, take ownership in what you can control and how you can change. And, you know, I promise that things will fall into place, you know, and coming from, you know, forgiveness too. I know we talked about a little bit earlier of just, you know, learning how to forgive your spouse and moving on from those things. It doesn't mean you have to forget necessarily what's happened, but to forgive them in, in order to move on, especially to be a good role model for your kids. So, um, Jenny, thank you so much for being here today. I've thoroughly enjoyed our conversation and I know others will benefit from it too. Thank you for joining me today. I cannot wait for you to listen to more episodes. If you are a new listener, I recommend starting at my best of year one episode first. Then make sure to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. And when you love an episode, please leave a review. And if you want to stay connected between episodes, please visit me on social media at The Parentologist and on my blog at theparentologist.com. This podcast is not intended to be a replacement for therapy. If you or someone you know is in crisis, please call 911.